Well, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question as we begin. You heard our text for this morning. Uh, God is really putting uh, the church's feet to the fire. And he said, all right, so if you understand where your citizenship is, you understand what has been given to you in the gospel, then you cannot live without, you have to live without excuse. You don't have excuses. You have to live the way that God has created you to be. And uh, I'm going to ask the question. We sang some songs in Christ alone, right? My hope is found. My joy comes from that. Be thou my vision. Be my king of all. Those are some pretty, uh, uh, how would you say, Those are pretty amazing statements concerning what we're about to talk about in our text. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 11, God is calling us to live holy lives that are not based on the society in which we live in, but are based on the society that we will be living in, our heavenly home, based on our heavenly Father who is holy. If God is holy, then we need to focus on that holy type living. And can you imagine, of all things, in the realm of the society we live in now, the verses that now we are going to embark on talking about. And we move into a section, and we move into one of Peter's favorite things to talk about, submission. Peter talks and moves into this, and he says, here... Church is some practical things. If you're going to survive in our society, you've got to focus on holy living. You've got to fi- focus on your holy God. You've got to focus on the gospel that's been given to you. That changes your life. And if you have that focus, that means you're going to live different despite even the government that is around you. So this is a timely subject to talk about as we think about our government. I get people talking to me all the time. Pastor, what do you think about what's going on in our government? The political situation. And usually I have a kind of a a, a tongue-in-cheek type answer, and I would talk about the Lord. And so, um, and I'd say, here's the thing. And I want to put this in. It wasn't in my notes. But in, later on in Peter, Peter talks about the roaring lion is seeking who he can devour. In Ephesians, Paul puts it this way. He says, live according to these things, in Ephesians chapter 6, so that you can stand firm in your faith when the fiery darts come from the evil one. And here's the thing. Satan, we're not that important. Satan is not looking, Satan is not like focusing on Pastor Kyle. Satan is not focusing on Pastor Ralph. Satan, but here's the thing Satan put schemes, plans in place to focus on the, the little darts that can deter us, that can cause us to lose our joy, that can cause us to ruin our faith, that can get us focused on the wrong things. 
And so here's the thing, is what is your heart and mind submitting to this morning? That is the real question. What is your heart and mind submitting to? Because this is a thing, Peter is giving us a way to look at a very real problem in their time and in our time. And if we don't obey, then when the fiery darts come in the form of government things, political things, and we will not stand. We will not be able to stand against those schemes that the Satan has put in place. And let me ask, and here's, a, here's an example. More people that are believers are more ready, more ready to talk about the political climate than they are about the gospel. How many times do we defend our view of government or how many times do we do talk about politics and yet we never share the gospel? Paul, the political climate of the day is a pretty good dart that distracts us from the gospel. Let me put it this way. We Americans live in a country that was founded on a revolution, right? America was founded on, we think about the, 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 the Boston Tea Party, revolt against the government. Defiance against the government authority is viewed as a basic constitutional right that is both good and bad because what we see today in our political view, whatever it is, and the opposite political view, both feel like they're being revolutionary. That's not good or bad. (laughs) Uh, Benjamin Franklin proposed the following design on the reverse seal of the great seal of the United States. This is what he proposed. On the back side of the great seal of the government, he proposed Pharaoh sitting in an open chariot, a crown on his head, and a sword in his hand, passing through the dividing waters of the Red Sea. (laughs) This is Benjamin Franklin. In pursuit of the Israelites, rays from a pillar of fire in the clouds, expressive of divine presence and command, beaming on Moses, who stands on the shore and extending his hands over the sea, causes it to overflow Pharaoh with this motto underneath the seal. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. It's pretty amazing. But it's not biblically correct. Franklin was a deist, by the way. He was not a Bible-believing, gospel-talking believer. He believed in God, but he didn't actually follow God's word. Uh, But he incited and he believed that rebellion and and being a tyrant is being obedient to God. And this has commonly been practiced and brought through our culture over the last 200 plus years. But the presence of the issue shows the relevance of what God is giving us in our text this morning. That a proper relationship for Christians with God has a proper view of how we view 
government today. Think about this. When Peter wrote these words, right, in verse 12, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to the governing the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Subject to that, think about the political climate in which Peter is giving this to the church. Nero was on the throne. Nero was the supreme authority. Nero hated Christians. Actually, it wasn't so much that he hated Christians. He saw that actually blaming Christians because they didn't follow and worship the gods of Rome. And so all the problems in Rome were because of Christians. And he blamed the great fire, by the way, which he started. He blamed it on Christians. So the government is blaming Christians for everything. Now, it's funny because now as I see the political climate, Christians blame the government for everything. So it's kind of reverse, right? <laughs> but think about this is exactly what is facing the church at the time that God tells Peter to give this to the church. As we think about that, we, we need to understand what is this idea of submitting to the believers. We need to ask this question, and it comes in the principle that we find to submission is found in our verses, in verses 11 through 12, which is, is quite amazing. If you look at verses 11 through 12, do you notice what we highlighted up here? Abstain from the passage passions of our flesh, which wage war against the soul. Our desires and our passions don't always have God's best intentions for your life. Let me repeat that. Our passions, our desires that we have aren't always God's best intentions for our life. Do you see what he's saying here? We've got to check our passions. We've got to check our desires. Because our flesh, our natural desire, is at war against what God desires for us. We can't just accept the natural expression that flows out of our heart as it is from God. Peter, you know, think about this. He has just told them, look at verse 11, Brothers, I urge you as sojourners, as exiles, as same abstain from these passions. And then he says, submit to all the authorities. Now think about this. If the church, in the context, is saying, well, we belong to heaven. We don't belong to anything on earth. We don't have to obey anything. That could be a logical expectation from people reading chapter 1 of of 1 Peter. I don't have to obey the authorities. I don't have to listen. I don't have to do all those things. And here's the thing. I mean, Nero blames me for everything as a believer. Then why should I pay taxes to him? 
He's not holy. He's not right. He's not just. So why should I pay taxes? Right? The church could have discarded and said, we don't need to do anything when it comes to the authority of the government. We can actually become rebellious and we can cause problems. But that's not what Peter says. That's not what God is telling us. Here is our goal. This is what he's saying in this verse. This is our goal right here. Our goal is not to bring glory to our opinions, to bring glory on America, but to bring people to the point of glorifying God. That is the whole key to submission. Because, by the way, God uh, doesn't stop here with dealing with authority. God moves on to even more poignant things in chapter 2 and chapter 3. He wants to get this point across. Look at right here. That, what? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Glorify our opinion? Glorify our good deeds? Glorify who? God. But we miss this. Because we aren't focusing on God's holiness. We aren't focusing on what God has done for us. We're focusing on what we think is right. And, and God gives us something completely different. Our goal is to bring glory to God. Now, if we bring glory to God, can God change things? Sure. Does God want to change things sometimes? Definitely. Does God like what he sees in the government? No. Does he understand why it's there? Yep. Did he allow it to take place? Yep. Do, you, do we like who is in, in government all the time? No. Do they obey God? No. But what does God say? Submit. Well, what does submit mean? Well, this is what God says. He says in verse 13, that idea of submit, it's a military word, meaning to put oneself under another in rank. There's order. Submission allows there to be order. Now think about it. What made Rome great? Was it Nero? Was it Julius Caesar? It was the most ordered military machine the world ever knew. There was strong order. In fact, they practiced this idea of submission more than they ever fought. I want you to understand that. Think about the military might of Rome. It was because of their great order. Have you ever seen the turtle? The modern tank? I mean, Rome perfected the tank. They, they knew how to put shields together, every single one of the soldiers working in unison together in submission to not trust what they see in front of them, but to trust what they are told to do. They obey it, and they were able to use it and put all their shields together to create a turtle, 
with their spears out and to run right through people. Such a small amount of soldiers could destroy such large and disordered armies that weren't under order. That's what happened. That's why most of the armies that Rome conquered were because of their disorder. Do you understand the concept now of what God is saying? He's saying the idea is here is is that we are supposed to submit to God first. We bring glory to him. That's our focus. So we need to submit. I mean, think about what this meant to the church during that time when they're facing such persecution. Overwhelming odds. The idea here is that submission is an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority and produces positive good deeds. This is the idea. When, if we are submitting, we're, our focus, our goal is to honor God, to bring glory to God, then it will be an attitude that we adopt of respect. Notice, respect doesn't mean right. Far too long, too many times as believers, we focus on what we think is right or wrong. That's not what God is teaching us here. He's telling us to submit, to have an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority. Here's the thing. If we can't obey earthly authority here, how are we going to obey God and his authority and his word? So here's the big question. Why should believers submit to even, even to the unjust authorities? Why should we submit? Well, he gives us the answer here in verse 12. In verse 12. Believers should submit to authorities to honor God. That is the goal, is to honor God. Again, is it about who's right or wrong? No. It's about how we respond to that which is wrong. Are we acting acting in submission or are we acting in rebellion? Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Right? For, I like this, submit yourself for the Lord's sake. Do you see that right there? For the Lord's sake. We do what we do not for the sake of America. We do what we do not for the sake of the church building or the amount of people in church. We do what we do because it's all about God. We submit for the Lord's sake. I mean, turn to Romans chapter 13. It was my privilege after President Obama was elected. You should have heard. What I, I, the very next day, by God's providence, I was asked to preach at a Christian school in town. Not here, but down in California, the land of rebellion. So, <laughs> so you can imagine the things that I was hearing, right? And... It was amazing. It was like the world was going to end. Everything was over. The Christian life as we knew it was going to come to an end. Little did they know 
that it really wasn't going to be that bad until after he got out of office. Right? Things are much worse now than they were then. <laughs> so, again, it's not about who's in office. It's about what goes on in the hearts of people. Romans chapter 13. And so I was thinking, Lord, what in the world am I going to say at this chapel? I threw out all my, what I was originally going to preach because I just couldn't stand to listen to what everybody was saying. Listen to what Paul says. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Does that sound familiar? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist incur judgment. Now, remember, people are quick to say, well, remember in Acts it says, you know, Obey God rather than man. Yes, but we far too often go to the exception rather than following the rule that God has placed here of submission. Everyone must submit. No authority except that which God has established. Right? And when we rebel against the authority, it's rebelling to what God has instituted. So therefore, we are rebelling against God. Now, here's the thing, is believers should submit to authorities because of their purpose. But when we think about this, the government is there, and he gives us in the text, he says, it is there as God sent to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Is the government perfect? No. Are they going to miss? Yes. Are they going to whiff? Strike three? Yeah, and they're going to make mistakes. Let me ask you a question. Are we perfect? Our church is perfect. Think about that. Governments are not perfect because they're, they're, they have imperfect people running an imperfect government. And why do we struggle with church? It's no different because we're filled with imperfect people. Here's the thing, same thing. The church will never succeed, and we will never succeed as being a light to the world if we are being rebellious. Also, we will, t- we will diminish the, the government's ability to do this. Here's the thing, again, the exception. For a brief time in California, because California can pass just about anything at any given time, uh, it's amazing the laws that get passed that nobody ever hears about. But I came across the news that they actually passed a law that if you mention homosexuality and you even talk about it in the same reference as sin, then you can be jailed and fined. So jailed and fined. It wasn't fined or jailed. It was both. And so my relatives started calling me. They're like, Kyle, what are you going to do? And I'm just like, well, when it comes to the verses and, I, and I'm preaching it, I'm going to preach it. What God says, Right? They cannot force me to change God's word. And here's the thing. The things that we see in government that we don't like is not forcing us to do something. It's just doing things we don't like. And so I said, well, I'm going to preach it when it comes there. And if I get jailed, I get jailed. But I will also go to jail because I will respect the authority. I'm not going to, I will fight it. 
from a point of submission, not from a point of rebellion. I'm not obeying God to be rebellious. I'm obeying God to submit to him and then submit to whatever the authorities say. Praise the Lord, within two months' time, the the rule got overturned. So it didn't last for very long. Um, But here's the deal. We need to obey the government. Here, did you notice? Look here. So the government sent by God to punish who do evil and to praise those who do good. I want you to notice the hymn. I've highlighted a few things for you to note as we go through this. Why should we obey the government? Well, believers should submit to the authorities to quiet those who are antagonistic towards Christians. I had somebody that I love. By the way, they're, they don't, they're on the opposite side of my views. And uh, they're op- probably the opposite side of most of your views. Somebody I love dearly. I was walking with them through the forest one day, and they ridiculously pointed at a pile of leaves in the forest and said, yeah, you know, if we clean that up, the, the, fi- the, the place won't catch on fire. And I said, well, well, we don't have to worry about that. We have way too much rain around here. But I was, they were baiting me into a debate. Here's the thing. At that point, I have to answer, ask this question. Am I going to honor God or am I going to honor my opinion? I had, to, I had to decide that. I chose to honor God and I didn't even, I just didn't respond to it. And afterwards they said, yeah, I know, that was pretty stupid. The response I got from not arguing was a total 180 from the statement that that person made. When we choose to submit to God and to choose to honor God for the Lord's sake, to honor Him and what He has put in, the authorities that He's put in our life, we can silence the doubters. We can silence the people who, who, who antagonize Christians, who are drawing Christians into a fight to say, look, you're horrible. And when they do that, you, they never get to see Christ. But when we honor God, then we show them and we submit to God and we submit to our authorities we are sacrificing our opinion for the sake of honoring God. And when we do that, it's a picture of Christ. It's a picture of the cross. Let me give you an example. Second uh, Timothy, or 1 Samuel 26, 9 through 11. Uh, David was out, and David had just had a spear thrown at him. God's anointed the next king, but God had still anointed Saul. But listen to what David says to Abishai, who wanted to kill Saul. Remember, David had every opportunity to kill him. But this is what he said to his general. He said, don't destroy him. You, who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him either, either in his time will come or he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Think about that. 
David was acknowledging that God had placed Saul where he was. And when, David, when God wanted Saul gone, God would remove Saul. When God wanted Nero to be removed, Nero was going to be removed. And he's saying, look, don't focus on Nero. Don't focus on all of these things. Focus on glorifying me and bringing glory to me. David realized if he touched God's anointed, he would be guilty before God. And he saw God as the ultimate leader and the ultimate authority. Do you see that God has established our pastors, he's established our small group leaders, he's, he's established our bosses, he's established our presidents, even those who are ungodly. Here's the thing. Just because they're ungodly doesn't mean we do not recognize the wrong. Certainly we do. But in a manner that brings glory to God, that honors Him. God is... Are we a servant of the government or are we a servant of God? He just spent a whole chapter telling us that we have been born into the family of God. Who are we serving? Notice here again in our verses this morning, for this is the will of God. Remember it said by him? Remember it said it's for him, it's by him, and now... It's the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence those who are ignorant. How can we do that? How can we, how can we submit in such a way that quiets? How can we do that? Well, 1 Timothy 2 gives us an idea. We can pray for our government. I'll tell you what. Do you know that God even says pray for enemies, right? Romans chapter 12 is a great example. Uh, Jesus said, pray for your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. I told you all the time, if you're struggling with people in the church, pray for them. Pray for them morning. Pray for them in the afternoon. Pray for them at night before you go to bed. God will change your heart so that way you honor God and you're not honoring your flesh. Right now, I'm telling you, your flesh is at war to find excuses to not submit. The darts of the evil one are being thrown into your life. And you have a choice to make. Pray for them. Hey, you can be... Some of us might go into captivity. You can be praying. Some of In the third world, around the different countries, around the world, these, this is a very real option. Some people are put into captivity. Think of Daniel. Think of Joseph. From captivity to leadership in the government. Some people say, well, is it wrong, Pastor? The government's so corrupt. Is it wrong for Christians to seek a... a No, I mean, look at our vice president. He's not perfect, but he loves the Lord. You should look at his life. Look at the things that he does, not in government, but in his family. We can do that. I know some of pe- people aspire to work in the government. But here's the thing. Submit to God first, so then that way when you're working in the government, you're honoring God and not honor- honoring just a position. Positions come and go, but God remains for eternity. Think about it. <laughs> Here we have Nero actually accusing the Christians for all the problems 
And Peter is saying, look, honor God, submit to the authority, and that way you will no longer be a scapegoat, and you will actually silence the critics. And it worked, if you look in history. It muzzles. That word silence, by the way, means to muzzle the accusers. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Do not overcome evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Believers should submit to authorities because they are free from sin. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, here again, look. Live as people who are free. Well, before we were, before Christ died for our sins, before we became believers, before he accepted us based on our faith and trust in him and our repentance from our sin, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to our flesh. So don't go back to being slaves to our flesh, but live as if we were free and submit ourselves to the Lord. Can you imagine what's going on in the church's mind during this time? Live, your, live as if you're Do you know that the majority of the believers in the church at this time were slaves? Here's the thing, too. Do you know that because of the government, if they actually lived the way in submission to the government and they took advantage of what was afforded them, they could buy themselves out of slavery or they can use slavery. The Romans, they gave you the opportunity to use slavery as a way to incur wealth and to become dependent. It's amazing. It's quite different than the way our government views it today. (laughs) People become slaves to free handouts. But they actually used it as as a welfare program. And can you imagine what's going on through the minds? Well, wait a minute. Live is free. Most of them were not free, and most of them were under extreme persecution. Well, Paul is saying what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He says, in John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, this is, is what, exactly what Paul is saying. I tell you the truth, everyone who sinned is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Don't be a slave to the sin any, any longer. And when we start to ridicule and act rebellious towards the government and towards authorities, whether they're in the church or authorities in town, and we rebel against it, we're actually living in the flesh and we're putting ourselves back into slavery. And he says, don't live that way. Live as free. The reality is that a person who has never accepted the Lord as Savior, who has never given their life to Christ, is not free. He cannot submit to God, and he cannot believe in the gospel. He cannot love his brother as himself. It is only by the Holy Spirit that the chains of the past scars, the chains of slavery to lust, the chains of slavery to sin, 
sinful nature of our flesh can be removed. The natural person cannot submit to God's law. But we can. Because we can submit to the Lord because he's freed us from the slavery of sin. Two things that will help us. Um, I went ahead. Two things that you can help us. We can choose as an act of will. It can be a choice. It's our choice to obey God. Right now, we have a choice to submit. It is a choice. Listen to Romans 6.16. It says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You have a choice. We either obey God and submit to his authority to bring glory to him, or we submit to our sinful desires and we act rebellious. Even in our church, there are people who said, look, I'm going to act rebellious instead of submit to God as the ultimate authority and see how I can bring authority to God, and it's caused great devastation. Let's just take this back. The truth is, if we don't obey God, and we obey our feelings and our positions, and we act rebellious and don't have that submissive attitude, we will cause destruction and death to relationships. Death to church relationships. Death to community relationships. Hey, nothing's worse than having a little bit too much to drink and then pastor calls you and says, we have a problem, can you come help? And you get pulled over by a police, and then your name is in the paper. Elder so-and-so, or deacon so-and-so, or longtime church member, DUI. Yeah. You know, we have to make a conscious choice whether we're going to obey God or we're going to obey our flesh. Granted, again, I'm not saying that government's always right. I'm not saying they act right. I mean, just look at them. (laughs) If you look at the government and you understand, they just don't act right. There's a lot of childness. But our response to it sometimes is really childish. It's not God-honoring. The second thing that helps us is is that we must give ourselves to the word of God. We've got to let it control us. James 1.25 says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but he does it, he will be blessed in what he does. If we listen, if you hear what God's telling us to do, and to be submissive, and to have the right attitude, to be in order, to live in order, in an orderly way, to honor, to, our goal is to bring glory to God. If we choose to do that and we obey his word, then that person will be blessed in what he does because we're obeying God. We're trusting his word, not our flesh. That's the old principle behind, the whole principle behind Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a living sacrifice 
Not We sacrifice our flesh. We flat, sacrifice our desires. We sacrifice our opinions. We sacrifice all these. So that way we glorify God. We worship God. We say he is holy. We say that it's an act of worship, that he is more awesome than everything else we face. So then that way, when government does something that's dumb, we can, instead of being a rebellious people that get thrown under the bus by the rest of society, we can act in submission to God and we don't give them an excuse to not see Christ. That's the goal, is for them to see Christ. So when the evil one throws darts at us and says, see, I'm going I'm to pass this law, I'm going to do something like abortion, that is so evil, that is so absolutely evil, I'm go- instead of inciting a rebellion and blowing up places, I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to find the right way to pursue it that brings glory to God and people see Christ, not a blown up building. That say, look, see how radical Christians are and get thrown under the bus. We must give ourselves to the word of God. I want to show you something. Did you see in our text? I forgot verse 11 there, but look at, glorify God. They may see your good deeds. Glorify God for the Lord's sake sent by him, by the will of God, to live as servants of God, so that way we honor everyone and we fear God. Through that whole text, who are we submitting to? Because we're asked to submit to God, then we can submit to imperfect authority. You see that? Here's the goal. This is the goal, guys. Our goal is not to bring glory to our opinion or glory to America. Let's make America great again. That's a great slogan. But that's not our goal. Our goal is that people know Christ and spend the rest of eternity in heaven with our holy God. God is holy. And and God will judge people according to the fact whether they put their faith and trust in Christ or whether they haven't. And if we get wrapped up into all this political stuff and we don't respond correctly, I'm not saying you can't respond. I'm saying we respond out of submission to God to bring glory to God so people see Christ. So when we get wrapped up into a political argument, we can actually share the gospel instead of being the gospel being thrown under the bus. We want to bring people to the point of glorifying God. Here's the thing. To risk all for Jesus is to end all risk. Think about that. I think it was, I modified this from, I think I was reading uh, J.C. Ryle, old preacher back in the day. To end, to risk all for Jesus is to end all risk. If we risk everything to obey Christ, to obey his word, to obey God, there won't be anything to risk. And then I added this. (laughs) I had to. Du courage. It means to be of great courage in French. (laughs) Du courage. That was our theme. 
Every time I looked at pastors in Africa that were like, oh my gosh, we are not obeying God's word. We need to obey God's word. This is going to be so hard. Do courage. If you struggle with being submissive and to submit, to be in order, so that we can be a church that can be like this holy turtle, and we can go out and share the gospel in every situation, no matter how horrific it is. Right? The spear is the cross of Christ, the word of God. We need people to hear the word of God, not our political opinion. We have to be of great courage. Be courageous to do what is right. Risk it all for Christ. Without it, we're to be the most pitied, Paul says. If we don't trust Christ, we are the most pitied. Let's trust Christ. I invite you to do that, to take up courage and to think about the way we submit to authority. Every authority that God has instituted among men. That includes pastors, leaders, elders, deacons, women's ministry, uh, law enforcement, especially when they pull you over. First time I got pulled over, that that I actually was pulled over, trust me, I needed to be pulled over many times. And it's not because I was doing it on purpose either. I just wasn't paying attention. I have a bad habit of that. I need to do better. It's not an excuse. And I looked at the officer, and he goes, do you know what you're doing? I said, yeah, I think I was going too fast. I wasn't paying attention. I deserve a ticket. Give me the ticket. And he looked at me. (laughs) He's like, hey. I, I told, I looked, many times you guys have let me go because you never pulled me over. I said, you pulled me over. Give me a ticket. I paid the ticket. It shocked him, and I was able to talk to him about the Lord. But if I fought the ticket and I talked to him about the Lord, what would that mean? No one would see Christ in that. Do courage. Lord, I pray that you would incite courage amongst us to submit to you as the ultimate authority. And in doing that, we would also submit to the authorities that you have instituted, that you have put here. That we would recognize that, yeah, they're not perfect, but Lord, you are perfect. And so, Lord, in doing that, in in an act of submission, even to those that are not imperfect, we actually bring glory to you. Lord, may that be our goal, that we would lead people to our glorious God, that we would trust you. Lord, it is so difficult with the things that we are facing today to say that we are willing to be submissive. It's so difficult when you see laws being passed to to murder human beings the life that you created. It's difficult, but you've called us to live this way. It's no different. In fact, it's not even as bad as what it was in Peter's day under the persecution of Nero. Lord, may we realize that what we face today is not more difficult. So Lord, may we obey. Lord, may we take something that's difficult to swallow and say, you know what, I need to obey and have great courage and risk it all for Christ that we might see people come to Christ. Lord, I pray right now that 
If someone is submitting to their good works, if they say, you know what, I'm good, I'm doing all these good things, and, and it's my good works that'll, that'll and I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to do all these good things, I'm going to go to church. If there's that person here, that you would convict them right now, that they would realize it's not about us, it's about you. And that they would not just say, yeah, I know about Jesus, but Lord, that they would say, Lord, I need forgiveness for my sin. I need someone to pay for my sin. I need to submit to God and say, it's not about me, it's about you and what you've done for me. Would you, Lord, would you speak to their heart, convict them, and that way they would confess their sin to you and say, Lord, I need you, save me. And that you would adopt them into your family and give them a new relationship built upon the cross about the one who submitted to the authorities of his day and did not sin, answered all the charges, sometimes being quiet. Lord, you are obedient not to the government, but to your Father, and it gave you the strength to have courage to do what is right and to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for not giving in to the evil one and to his schemes and his plans. But Lord, you, you, Jesus, you were obedient to the Father in heaven and submitted. Ultimately, because of that, now we have access to the Father in heaven because, Lord, you have told us you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. Lord, if there is one here that needs to be saved, Lord, convict them right now. And I invite them to make that decision to accept your payment for their sin, to be adopted into your family, to be saved from their sins, to be pulled out of the slavery of sin, and to be in the family of God. I invite them to do that now as we sing, and that they'd be courageous enough to trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. May that be our motto of our church. In Jesus' name we pray.